two interruptions, a young woman finds herself the target of a deranged killer in night terror. Oh, my God. Someone is trying to kill me, kid. He shot a police officer. I saw the whole thing. And the nightmare begins as Valerie Harper stars in Night Terror, Monday at 8 on Channel 5. My name is Andrew and I'm Mark and you are listening to television movie nights here in a spooky November, November, the the ghosts of Turkey's future. Yeah, we missed a week. Go to hell. That's what I say. It's free. What do you people want from me? Take you want my blood. Take my blood, please, please. God do something with it it needs i would clean it first if i were you they won't take it at the red cross anymore no nope. they, they said look we already did the numbers it's bad it's too, bad too thick too thick <laughs> looks like a goddamn shamrock shake i don't know how you did it but you did it <laughs> we've tested it extensively there's nothing officially wrong with it but it feels weird like yeah. when you touch it like it's, it's weird it's uncomfortable i don't know how it and if I ran that through any other body, that'd clog it up. Yeah, I don't like it. No, no problem. I would just, I don't know if, I don't know if you got uh, veins the size of, like a, like a, like a boba straw, but uh, <laughs> I don't know what you got going on inside your body, but it's, it's upsetting, is what it is. Yeah. Mark, how are you? Andrew, I've never been better. Um, yeah. Andrew, I went to the new Beverly Cinema. Ooh. They had a double feature of Eyes Without a Face, the French film. Sure. And Mad Love. Crazy Mad Love. That yeah. It's got uh, Steve Carell in it, right? Stupid, stupid crazy Mad Love. Stupid, um, the mad maddest love. love you've ever seen. It's a 1930s movie with Peter Lorre. And I'm watching this movie. And here's, here's my experience watching the movie, okay? Yeah. So I'm watching the movie. It's a very old movie. Um, and I'm like, something about this movie feels familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is. Eventually, Peter Lorre plays a, a surgeon who's obsessed with a actress. All this weird stuff is happening. The actress's husband uh, is in a train accident, uh, but he's uh, the husband is a uh, pianist. He plays yeah. piano. Mm-hmm. So he's in a tra- train accident. His hands are ruined. His hands are completely destroyed. Peter Lorre says, don't worry. I think I know how to fix your husband's hands. Meanwhile, we are also learning that a famous knife thrower who threw knives into his father's back until he killed him has recently been executed. Peter Lorre cuts off the hands of the pianist and puts on the hands of the knife thrower. Andrew, yes. immediately I was like, holy shit, that Treehouse of Terror episode Tri- yeah, where gets it's, a hair it's, transplant. It's the, yeah. It was exactly the same in 
tone and in feeling. And I, it was a little gift to, it, it was like one of those little gifts where you're like, oh my God, that's what they were doing. That's what they were referencing when I was like eight years old. And I had no idea what this was, but they were like, we're going to make a good story out of it anyways. I want to say that there's a Tales from the Crypt that also did it before The Simpsons. Oh, you think that they were referencing the Tales from the Crypt rather than The Mad Love? The Mad Love. But I bet the Tales from the Crypt was ripping off Mad Love in the first place. Probably. Uh, So the... the, the Well, Mad Love is also based on a short story. So like they're probably all based on the same short story. So the hands commit murders, the knife throwing hands commit murders. The guy, <laughs> the poor son of a bitch is like, these hands don't feel like my hands. And Peter Laurie's like, eh, they're your hands. They're fine. And then <laughs> these hands are not my own. They're not yours. They are my own. My own. And then he's like, cut, he's like cutting into a steak and he's getting into an argument with his wife and the hands just like wing the knife <laughs> and he's like oh no <laughs> so yeah that, that that's gonna happen just yeah i just be aware of that maybe maybe uh maybe ask uh the, the butcher to cut that stuff for you first before you throw it on the grill but uh beyond that they're pretty good hands but then yeah but then like <laughs> they're like preternaturally great at throwing knives to the point where he's like He's I, like solid snake. Like he's throwing knives through windows and like in between bars. Yeah. Like, like the magic bullet, just getting people in the back. That's a, that's a pretty fair trade. Yeah. To be able to throw knives like around corners and stuff. That's cool. That is cool. What if he had just gotten lame hands? That yeah. What if he had just gotten my hands? Yeah. Like, check this out. I can... I can, I can type uh, twitter.com really fast. Well, no, it would just be the, the little farting. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> like, I couldn't do it before, and now just impulsively, I just do it constantly. Yeah. Uh, also, the softest, most non-broken-in hands in the world. They're like Parks. baby's hands. They are the, yes, they are the, it's the man, you would think, that these are the hands of like a 12 year old who has never who like lived inside a bubble, but no, this is like a 30, 40 year old man hands in milk. He wore gloves and lotion to bed every night. Mark, you're not, uh, you are, you are in the far flung reaches. You're the, in the city by the bay the city that never sleeps. San Rafael. Yeah. That's right. Where I'm at. You're in San Fran. Yes, I am. Why, why are you in San Fran? Big job. Big I job. I got shipped up to San Francisco. So I got a call. Shipping up to San Fran? San yeah, the Dropkick Murphy song. No, I got a call that was like, so on the 26th, I got a call at 9 a.m. That was mm-hmm. like, hey, are you available tomorrow for work? And I was like, Yeah. And they were like, cool. Uh, how do you feel about this rate? And I was like, oh, I wish it was higher. And they're like, right, <laughs> yeah, well, it's isn't, not that, isn't be. that something? <laughs> and they're like, well, it's wish, not going to be. Wish in and one then, hand, shit in the other. See which one fills up first. Yeah. And then they're like, 
oh, are you available for two days? And I was like, sure. And then they said, uh, like, it's just text messages back and forth that are just me going, yeah, whatever. Uh, just. And then they were like, great. Whatever, whatever porno you're making, look, I don't judge. Just yeah, tell me I'll the, be there, all right? It it's a train station? Sure, fine. <laughs> and then they were like, great. Uh, we need you to be at LAX in uh, about three hours because we're going to send you to San Francisco. And I was like, well, none of it. Nobody said that part of it, but yeah. sure. All right. You were going to go see Dune and you had to go see a I was going plane. to see Dune. Yeah. The way that it was meant to be seen. In stunning 3D? For free at the <laughs> Warner Brothers lot. <laughs> Uh, so, Mark, you're working. So, so does that mean? So does that mean that there was a strike? Is that? Does that mean that there was? You put it in our episode. You put it in the episode. A creep. The creepy, weird robot that make that edits all of our episodes. Yeah. Well, he had something to say about that. Which he said that less than an hour after recording, it was officially announced that there would not be a strike. Well, it's and curious. Grew- it's curious because I, I keep checking my Venmo, and I'm like, where's did, you know I don't use that. That you know there, I don't use Venmo. I'm going to give there, you cash as soon as I str- see you. Was your strength? Give you cash. I I just I just kept checking it. That's all. I just wanted I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to I just wanted to double check. You'll, you'll get your money. You'll, you'll get, get your you'll, money. you'll get your fucking money. Speaking of getting our fucking money's worth, television movie night. Your home and resource for made for TV movies. We were watching scary movies in October, and we're watching scary movies in November. Deal with it. We got to, we got to, these things are priced to move. The the 2022s are coming in, but we still got to get rid of these 21s. And with the shipping shortage, look, we paid a lot for them. Honestly, (laughs) honestly, with with the shipping issues that Biden has caused (laughs) single-handedly, you should be grateful that you're getting any shows. That's true. We it's, you want to start, you're going to want to start putting in your Christmas TV orders now. Oh, it's too right? late. Oh, shit, it is. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're going to end up you, watching Single Santa again. If you have Christmas plan, if you have TV movie night plans for Valentine's Day, I'd say you've got two more weeks. You, yeah, that's a, that is a drop dead date. Thanksgiving is a drop dead date for it's that. It's over. And after over. that, you're shit out of luck well this time around uh last week we watched tower of terror we're watching an even more terrifying story entitled night terror sometimes called night drive less scary and we're going to talk about it at length in a segment i like to call well what do you know Mark, Night Terror, a.k.a. Night Drive, a.k.a. Uh, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Are we still allowed to... Is that, is that joke still relevant can, these days? I mean, you can still say it. It's not necessarily a joke. Premiered on February 7th, 1977 on the Peacock Network, NBC. This starred Valerie... Harper, who passed away recently. We know her better as Rhoda from not only 
the uh, self-titled show Rhoda, but of course, before that, the Mary Tyler Moore show, also yes. starring Richard Romulus. Romulus? Romulus? Romulus. Romulus. Synonymous Romulus. Oh my God. The, from Mean Streets and The Point of No Return, and also starring Nicholas Pryor. From Airplane. Who's in Airplane? He's in Risky Business. He's Tom Cruise's dad in Risky sure. Business. He dresses him down about the football having a the 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 crystal football having a like dent in it or something. Also in the uh, soap opera Port Charles, if I remember correctly. Most importantly, Airplane. Air. Well, I'm just yeah, Risky Business. You know, Risky Business. Yeah, I saw it. Directed by E. W. Swackhammer. Ew, Swackhammer. A lot of uh, television credits under Swackhammer's. That's his name. Don't laugh at his name. A lot of television credits rude. under. Rude to laugh at. Swackhammer's belt. Uh, directed some I Dream of Genies, some Gidgets, some Partridge Families. Very long and storied television directing career. This was written by Carl Gabler and Richard Denue. Denue. Or Denut. Denuit. D E N E U T. I'm going to say Denue. Uh, as far as. Say Richard D's nuts. <laughs> Richard Bofa. <laughs> and uh, as far as I can tell, only writing credits Night Terror slash Night Drive. Danu shows up as an unnamed member of the R gang in several of the little rascal shorts. But beyond that, I don't really have much on these two. Andrew, is it safe to assume that he was the unknown accomplice? Um, to, who killed, uh, uh... <laughs> to who, who scammed uh, 60 minutes on that buckwheat story? No, not on the buckwheat story, but that killed uh, at, at Vitello's, killed uh, Robert Blake's wife. <laughs> um, an unknown member of the R gang <laughs> killed Robert Blake's wife? Robert Blake was a member of R gang. Oh, well, he also left his gun at that restaurant, right? Like, isn't that why he returned? It's the most brilliant defense. I couldn't have shot her. I didn't have my gun at the yeah, time. My it gun was at was the inside. restaurant. That's why I went inside. It's brilliant. <laughs> they, you can never convict him. Never <laughs> convict him. I'd try it. I dare you. Yeah. Mark, no before, jury. No jury is going to convict. How, how am I going to shoot a person without a gun? You tell me. You tell me. Can you prove that you didn't have the gun? Kind of. Yeah, because I went back inside. Yeah, they saw I made a big show. I'm like, I'm gonna put the gun on the table while I'm eating breadsticks because I want my because I gotta, I'm wearing my loose pants. I need both hands and I'm putting breadsticks in my pockets. Yeah, you ever been to CNO's? You haven't been to Olive Garden? You're just gonna, you're gonna take as many of those free breadsticks home as you can. Uh, Mark, before we jump into Night Terror and describe it and talk about it, what did you think this movie was going to be about? We saw it, we listened to the trailer, something about a drive gone wrong, like a Andrew. almost like a um, not Planet Terror, uh, Death Proof of sorts. I, I thought Death Proof, I thought a 
young woman is driving across country or driving on an open road and she accidentally wrongs, she does something innocuous that offends another driver and that driver decides to kill her. And right. she's on the run, she's in her car. Stuntman stunt Mike, horribly upset. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the feeling I got, but I'm curious to see if that's what we get in this incredibly uh, spooky. I didn't really see much about this movie either. It seems like this is one of those, other than that this was a vehicle. It happened. Uh, no it pun happened. intended. We all moved on. For Valerie Harper, but uh, in February 7th, it's also an odd time to trot this thriller out, but you got to air something, I guess. Yeah. We jump in then, act one. We open on a dusty, deserted highway as someone, an unseen someone's taking some pot shots at a no littering sign. Just firing their guns, just guns ablaze. As as is their right as Americans. Yeah, I should be able to, to just dump my trash can out the car window as I see fit. Yes, Andrew, you're a libertarian. Yeah, we all know this. I say, let me let me do what I'm gonna do. All right. I don't. I shouldn't have to pay taxes on things that I don't use. I don't have any children. I don't want to pay for the schools. My house is not on fire. Why should I pay, for the, pay for the fire department? It's the crazy. It's insane. And if I'm not littering, then I don't want to have to pay for a no littering sign. I'm I'm already not doing that. It's a waste. It's a waste of government overhead. We can cut, uh, we cut and we see that he has dog tags and also a voice box. He's got a creepy, I forget what those are called. Um, vocoder. I don't, I don't think it's called a vocoder, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an artificial voice box that he's putting next to his, his larynx. He, he jams it into his larynx and it says, I'll be there. He's also got guns. He's got a lot of guns. He's gun gun city. And he's got he's a yellow. He's sort of a tech head. He's into vocoders and guns. Yeah. He's, you know, he likes High to go technology. out. He likes to go out with a Moog keyboard and just make some weird sounds and some fun stuff. You know, we don't get on Peter Frampton's case when he does that weird voice. Why are we getting on this guy's case? Yeah. And if Peter Frampton's got a bunch of guns, that's his right. Guy's got a yellow car as well. Keep that in mind. We cut to Carol. He's played by Valerie Harper. She's trying to feed her kids. She's trying to feed her brats who I thought were just, they're just sitting on boxes, right? Like they ain't got a pot to piss in or something. Uh, no, I was like, oh, they shot in my apartment. Yeah, it's just it's nothing but cardboard boxes and whatever furniture happened to be on the curb on the way to that apartment. Yes. And Carol. Everybody's like, oh, you just moved in. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah like four years ago oh. Carol and her husband Walter are packing up the house and they're getting out of Dodge they're moving but based on the way Carol's acting it's pretty apparent that she is very forgetful that is her character traits she is overwhelmed and forgetful because ladies be ladying alright this is what they do she's yeah she's she's definitely like oh where did I put my coffee? And then her daughter's like, it's in the fridge. She's like, next to the gun. She's like, oh, <laughs> that's where that was. That's right. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, it's it. She's for she forgets where she puts her coffee. She's like, I need to take the kids to get their their shots. Uh, I think I put the dog in the furnace. I, I I don't remember the dog's in the oven, and I took a ham to the vet. I don't know what's wrong with. Why me. would I do that? I think I have brain poisoning. The kids are heading off uh, on a plane with their aunt while Walter is heading to Los Angeles for some business to then turn back around and meet Carol in Denver. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's going to be, oh, yeah, he, he's going to be busy. All right. He's going to get some, he's going to get some work done. That's for sure. He's going to, he's definitely going to be uh, working on something all night long. So he's going to LA to do some work to then turn back around and meet Carol in Denver for a second honeymoon before they drive the entire shebang out to their new house in California. No, I thought they were going to Denver. You're right. They're going to Phoenix first. The, the second honeymoon's in Phoenix and then they're going to Denver. But for some reason, the father has to go to Los Angeles. The kids are heading to Denver. Carol's heading to Phoenix. She will meet up with her husband there. Then they're going to the Mile High City. At a roadside diner, we cut back. It's all but it's basically implied that the reason they chose Phoenix is because they're hoping that their relationship will burst free of the ashes of having two two dumb children. (laughs) Correct. Yes, they're they're hoping that a uh, a rendezvous at some crappy hotel under the auspice of a second honeymoon will somehow resurrect both of their passions for one another after just being beaten down for like eight years with the ball and chain of two kids who probably cannot find their ass with two hands. They seem dumb to me. They were really dumb. They were dumb kids. At a roadside. There, there were chairs, but they were like, we sit on boxes. <laughs> he says, but the chairs are right here. It's, this is where we sit. We sit on the boxes. No, chairs are for, no, boxes are for sitting and chairs are for dancing. And they're like, oh, God. Oh, they're doing a thing. And they said, let me tell you about the gold standard. You said, oh, oh, God. Oh, boy. At a roadside diner, a waitress tries to be friendly with this guy who's got all these guns. But the gunman, he just he just he eyeballs her. And then he says, he says, you can't enforce this. The mask policy, you can't enforce it. You can't enforce it. It's illegal. It's illegal. Read this card. You cannot enforce a mask policy. She says, what's the matter, mister? Don't you speak? Which offends him because we as an audience knows that know that he cannot speak on his own. He has Mm -hmm. to use a device. Yeah. Uh, So he spills coffee everywhere, which scares the woman, irritates me, but scares the waitress. Because I would just be like, man, come on. Like, I I don't. I don't give a, I don't give a fuck. All right. I'll look, I'll help you out. I would just push the food on the floor too. All right. Sure. Oh, oh, we're doing this. Great. You think you're busting my balls on this one? I don't give a shit. I make two twenty five an hour and I got some dickhead general manager that takes 70% of my tips. You think you you're scaring me? Ha. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is the biggest laugh I've had in a month. I look in mirrors. <laughs> that scares me. 
I look in the eyes of my three kids. That's that's pure terror is what that is. Jesus Christ. Look, buddy, you're the biggest clown that the fucking circus has ever made. My eyes. Yeah, you want another pot of coffee to spill? I don't give a shit. I'll brew it up right now. Wait there. Wait right I'll make, I'll make it as hot as possible. I'm coming back. Uh, yeah, that's 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 what she should have said. Instead, yeah. she just stares at him agog while he dumps a big pot of coffee on his eggs and his hash browns and his Adam and Eve on a, on a log. Then he puts some money in his mouth and spits it at her. Which, all right, at least he paid. I it would be great if she was like, "You got twenty five cents coming back." <laughs> uh, it would have been if she had spit. Yeah, or yeah, he spits a twenty at her, and she's like, "This is all mine now. This is I'll tell you that this is mine." Or she doesn't even put the money into her mouth. She just spits it out like a cash register. <laughs> No, she and should. Her eyes say no sale. <laughs> she should have mad dogged him, and she should have put the money in her, her mouth and just eaten it. Yeah, I've been like delicious. <laughs> You'll have to wait a couple of hours for your change. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> Back at the house, the kids and the husband head off to the airport while Carol announces that she will meet Walter later. Back with the gunman. We are told that the gunman needs to get some goods to a drop point. And then he it's yes. So apparently this gunman has got something that needs to be delivered in his big yellow car. And this is, this is all we know. He's on his, on the road and you know, it's like, it's, it's classic moving day stuff. You know, it's, you gotta get this, you gotta deliver something to somebody who gives a shit. Yeah. He's gotta get this piano up the angels walk <laughs> this liver has got to get to that sick kid all right we only we can only trust you because you're you're my uber eats guy <laughs> i don't know i don't know then he aggressively washes his hands which i really enjoyed he's just he's in the bathroom he's having trouble getting the soap out he's just like oh he just dumps everything all over the place and you're like well i thought he was a totally sane and rational man before, but now now I have wash his hands. I have my questions. He then gets in his car and he tears ass to Phoenix, Arizona. Carol's at the hotel in Phoenix, but work is keeping Walter. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> listen, oh, yeah. listen, baby, you're never going to relieve this. You're never going to believe this. Oh, I wish I could be there to be all romantic in, in a double tree in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> but nah, babe. It's old the point. Man, just whoosh, whoosh. Yeah, the old man's got my ass in a sling. Are there voices behind you? No, 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 no. just I, the one. And that's my boss. He's, he's yelling at me he's saying, get off the phone. And he's, it sounds like he's saying, come back to the room, lover boy. <laughs> yeah, he's got some weird code words. It's, it's a lot of it's a lot of hush hush. We're talking. We're All trying. right. I guess that's businessman speak, honey. It's, I love yeah, you. Bye. I'm, making, I'm making a space suit that can withstand 8000 degrees over here. It's very secretive. <laughs> Uh, so he hangs up. He says, sorry, sorry, man. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't have sex with you in Phoenix. I, I got, I got a job to do. I have stuff. 
Carol, he suggested, Carol, why don't you drive out to Denver yourself? Get in the car. Why don't you get in the car and drive by yourself, you dumb old bird? <laughs> you dumb bitch. You old bag, get in the car and head off on by yourself. Get on that broom and fly out there. She's like, I don't, I don't like you when you've had a, a couple after work drinks. <laughs> he says, go off to Denver by yourself. Uh, but she's like, I, I can't, I can't drive by myself. That's, that's insane. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a woman. I'm a woman in the seventies. That'll never happen. Yeah. They'll pull me over. They'll say, ma'am, do you know you're operating a car by yourself? Oh, am I? Well, you better lock me up, officer. <laughs> There's a lot of extramarital uh, <laughs> dreams and relationships <laughs> happening in this story. Every, every, everybody's just trying to get their own <laughs> on this one. They've all given up on their own relationships. Carol calls her sister in Denver, but she can't get a hold of her or the kids and becomes worried. Later, she receives a call at the hotel, finding out that one of her kids is sick and sick enough to be in the hospital. Andrew, did you have to look up the specific illness that Carol is like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's like an inner ear infection, isn't it? Like, I yes, don't... it's an inner ear infection that has to be can be treated with antibiotics. But we only hear Carol's side of the story. So she's like. Ear infection, she called it, it has a name. It's I know a, I don't have it here. Mumbleitis or something. Earitis. Yeah. <laughs> we all love it's uh, ear, earfulness. Earfulness. So she's like, oh, earfulness? Why, he, he was only sick a few days ago. What is he allergic to? All uh, penicillin and amoxicillin. What? That means you have to operate? Well, then I guess you'll have to do that. And you're like, am I supposed to know all of this? Was, was this a common enough illness? Yeah, that's that's what killed the majority of the children in 1977. It was that croup. Oh, and waiting and waiting for those dumb Star Wars toys at Christmas. Am I right? Am I right? You had to mail away for them. You got a poster. You got a you got a poster instead of toys. Carol starts calling around to try and get an immediate flight to Denver, but snow has closed the airport there in Denver. They say, look, lady, you can't fly when it's snowing. What are you, dumb? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're a lady, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, here's how it works. We can't fly when there's snow. Yeah, one, one, uh, one snowflake on this bird, and that thing is uh, going down in a heap. So this motivates her to drive there. Phoenix to Denver. Also, we can't find our pilot. He's at a party with uh, <laughs> some businessman and a couple of floozies. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's the late seventies, so the uh, the holiday party, that's kind it's of a thing still. Really so, out of control. Uh, this motivates her to drive to Denver, which is about a sixteen-hour drive, is what she's told. She leaves a note for her husband at the bell desk, gets directions, and takes off. However, in probably again one of the best scenes <laughs> in the movie. She's distracted behind the wheel because obviously she has a sick son and she's like, did the guy say three lights down or four lights down? She ends up running a red light, yeah. nearly clipping another car. The car flips around. 
there's a lady behind the wheel of that car. She yeah. calls Carol a woman driver. She says, when people say women can't drive, they're not talking about me. They're talking about you. you. Bitch. I'm like, here's the casual sexism that I showed up for. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> this seems like the type of thing where the two male writers were like, are we going to get letters? And they're like, what if we're right, making a so lady? Have a, have a woman called the, have a bitch called the bitch a bitch. And they're like, yeah, that sounds better. Like, yeah, that should smooth things out. Yeah. She gets called a woman driver. And then she goes to a gas station to try and fill up the tank before she hits the road. Uh, but the, the uh, you got the, uh, the Gomer. The attendants and, are like. Yeah, the- Gomer and Goober there at the, uh, at the station, there it, looked a, it looked a lot like the two twins from uh, the Harry Potter movies. They're like, <laughs> look, we're we're just here to fuck off and mess around. They're uh, they're looking to score with some ladies, and they're like, she's like, turn the pumps on. I gotta get some gas. You guys close at ten. It's like quarter till. They're like, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you kick rocks, lady? <laughs> we're trying to get with these two. They like point to a really crappy like uh paneled van there's just just the with 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 two uh with two palm fronds in it yeah <laughs> look at that hair she just rolls up her window <laughs> carol searches around for another gas station while nearly on empty she's passed on the interstate by a speeding yellow car now where was I feel like we've seen this car before. I don't remember where we've seen this car before. Yeah, it's Herbie, isn't it? Yeah, it's the love bug comes zooming by along with a police officer with its lights on. In uh, she, she, this has got like in a, in a, in a movie of some limited logic, this is the most illogical thing in my mind. Because Officer pulls over this car that's like zooming by. Yes. Carol rolls up on this car that's on the interstate. She sees the officer walking up to the window of the yellow car. She slows down, starts laying on the horn. She's like, hey, hey, hey. pay attention to me. Third and main. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Third and main. How far away? No, she drives by, honks her horn. And she's like, officer, I need gas. Where do I find the closest gas station? And the guy's obviously like doing his job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's uh, uh, and, 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 and have you ever been on the 405 and thought to yourself, you see a, a, a chip, you see a, a highway patrol officer like pulled over somebody. You think to go over to the right hand, the most right hand lane, slow down to like five miles per hour lean out the window, honk the horn and be like, hey, buddy, you know where I can get some pizza? Um, No, Andrew, I've never done that. However, I've you also should. never... You absolutely the, should. I've never called the police on uh, people having a barbecue. So <laughs> the fact that the star of our movie is a Karen... Yeah. Her, name is Ka- her name is Carol. Thank you. Sure, sure it is. And just shows up and is like, hey, Bend over backwards to help me. I'm white. Yeah, she's she's that is this like babe in the woods 
mentality that these two male writers have put on her is a bit insulting to imagine that she rolls into every scene and is like, somebody help me. Somebody has to help me, which makes sense in terms of like the gas station attendants. And it's like, I need gas. Turn the pumps back on. That's your fucking job. And you're closing early to try and have sex with a potted plant, apparently. (laughs) But to like potted plant. Well, excuse me. (laughs) But to flag down a police officer as they're like pulling somebody over, the guy like already with his hand on the pistol in his holster. Well, it turns out bad for the police officer because as soon as he turns his head to look at this lady who's frantically honking her horn to try and find a gas station despite the fact like i'm assuming there will be a sign on the road that says next exit gas uh the guy you're presuming that she can read and drive at the same time (laughs) it's one or the other she can't even read the speedometer without completely coming to a stop (laughs) every time i look at every time i check i'm going zero zero i don't understand it well, the police officer turns around to see this lady honking his horn, which gives the guy in the yellow car the opportunity to pull out a shotgun and blow this police officer away. The police officer goes ass over tea kettle over the front of Carol's car. She peels away. because She's like, oh, God, he maybe he didn't know where the gas station was. She says, oh, my God, now I'll never find gas. <laughs> you can't help me now. She peels away, but not before the driver in the car, in the yellow car, the gunman gets a good look at her face and the two start speeding down the highway. A last second move in front of a semi truck allows Carol to exit the freeway before the gunman can react. She gets off and then gets back on the same interstate, but now southbound while the gunman flips a Yui in the middle of this interstate to give chase, but loses her for the time being. Yes. Act two. Carol calls from a phone box on the side of the interstate, but is too excited to even read what box number she's at. This was upsetting that they were like, yeah, all right. What box number are you at? She's like, I don't know. I can't tell. But she's like looking right at eight. eight. There's a giant sign in front of her that that, that tells her. I'll never find out. Who could ever figure this out? I'm dead. They're leaving me for dead. Uh, yes, she's that hysterical, which understandable. She just saw a guy get sh- shot in front of her and she's presuming she just got chased down the freeway. So, yeah, she's going to be a bit upset. But there is, th- again, this kind there's, of there's upset. And then there's can you read the numbers directly in front of you? No, I can't. She's no. again, she's moving in a direction. She's kind of swaying. I'm so swaying, she can't read. So I can't. Yeah. He has to be put in a, in an absolute still harness she in order to be able the, to read. The numbers are moving and they're like, <laughs> are, is that, are you moving ma'am? Kind of, it's a little windy out here. <laughs> Thinking she sees the car down the road. She hangs up the phone, gets back in her car and takes off. Uh, but it wasn't, she got spooked by headlights that weren't, the car she was anticipating it was, but then she manages to blow through some road closure signs. It probably was a killer if I had to take a guess. Someone else. Again, if if you're let's listen, if you're on the inner if you're on an Arizona interstate at one in the morning, 
chances are more than likely you're a murderer. You're right? either going to or coming from a murder. Eventually, her car runs out of gas on the road. She pushes the car to a nearby gas station, but there's a sign in the window that says, Gone hunting. At two in the morning? What are you, what are you hunting that's at two? The, in that's the, the best hunting hours. What are, you, what are you hunting in the desert at that late? Coyotes? Barn owls? <laughs> they're they're uh, endangered, but uh, I plan on making them extinct. Um... <laughs> Uh, crossing the border oh oh god it's 1977 we're not concerned about that it's all about the energy crisis that's right (sighs) while skulking around the place she uses a brick to break into the gas station she said i found the key and just threw a brick (laughs) through the window uh but she wants to make a call on the payphone in there but she can't find a quarter However, she opens up the register and finds the key to the gas pump because it's locked up. Yeah. Struggling with the pump, she realizes that there's no power and the breaker box is locked. This is like a fucking adventure game here. It's like... I Yeah, no, she's in an escape room. And they're yeah. like... <laughs> Check the clock. The clock set at a specific time. Uh, is that- yeah, nine o'clock. Flip- Flip that painting over. I bet there's something on the back of it. Why Why would I flip a painting over? That doesn't no, make any sense. If it's not bolted to the wall, that means they want you to look at it. All right, fine. I moved it. What's on the back of it? The same painting. Oh, think about it. <laughs> <laughs> she uses a tire iron from the car to try and pry open the breaker box, but it's pretty apparent that she's not alone. Someone else is in the building. She gets on, she gets the pump on. She manages to, she, she used tire iron on breaker box. Now the breaker box is open. Use hand on switch. Well, it looks like the power's on. Well, I can't use this tire iron anymore. Those are two things that don't go together. (laughs) I can't pick that up. Uh, She gets the pump on, but she gets surprised by not the gun. Like her husband. Okay. All right. Let's. Okay. Yeah. Let's. I I asked you in the pre-show meeting not to do that, and you still and you, you I still wanted to. I want it. <laughs> she gets surprised by a drifter. Yeah. Who apparently has been living in the gas station at night. He begs her not to tell on him. He says, "Look, when he goes hunting." He's hunting people, and the only place to hide is here because this is the only place he's not going to look. I like to look. All she wants is a dime for the goddamn uh, uh, telephone. telephone she which, tells him she, he, he, which I feel like you could call the operator and say it's an emergency and you get yeah. through, right? Yeah. You need a but, dime to call the police. Yes, but she's not very smart. <laughs> Do you think she's going to use the dime to call like the hotel again? And she's like, I just want to make sure that I wasn't charged for the mini bar no, stuff. She's use the dime. There, was a, there was a bottle of schnapps that was already missing. I want to be clear on this. She's going to use the dime to call information. And then when they're like, all right, <laughs> insert another dime to make, to complete this call. She'll be like, Oh, <laughs> shit. All right. Hangs up. She's like, I'll never get through to 911. 
uh, I guess it was, well, that wasn't a thing in 77. Emergency services? Well, emergency services, you could call the operator, but like 911 as a nationalized emergency number wasn't a thing in 1977. But the operator. I thought was, it didn't happen until September 11th, and that's where we got the number. Oh. <laughs> Is that, is that true? That's the thing that uh, that some young people believe. <laughs> He's broke. Mentally, physically. I, live, <laughs> I live in a deserted gas station. You think I have money? He's like, lady, I'm fucking pissed in a Gatorade bottle. All right. I what do you what do you think that I'm just some humbled embarrassed millionaire down on my luck at this time. He's like, cause you're right. I came up with new Coke and this is what happened. So here's a billion dollars. Bye. <laughs> she offers him five bucks. She says, I just want a dime, but here's the deal. I took apart my car to get that tire iron. Here's $5. Put all the shit back in my car and don't Andrew. break any of it. Okay. I counted. Andrew. Yeah. This is clearly an indictment against going off the gold standard. <laughs> How so? She says $5 is worth the same as a dime. That's what rampant it's all is. just made up. It's all just paper. It's all, it's all, it's all in the air. It's all just, it's all paper. But if we had an actual, a, like a, a valuable metal backing to say it up, that this paper is worth X amount of this valuable metal. <laughs> then that's you got an economy now. The gunman is still on the road and looking for her, but Carol pumps some gas, puts 20 bucks in the drawer, which in 1977 is like, 20 bucks. is like probably a million dollars. <laughs> she might. Yes, it's like the time that I wrote someone a check for a billion dollars. <laughs> and I was like, go ahead and cash this. Yeah, the guy, the guy, the guy who owns the gas station is going to come back tomorrow and be like, oh, fuck you. Yeah, right. I can't. This is nothing. This is a joke check. Just tears it up. She leaves. However, the gunman spies her on the road in the distance at a fork in the road. She heads left and the gunman is still in pursuit. Carol realizes she's still being chased and puts the hammer down on the Ford family truckster, the big old station wagon she's driving. Yeah, swerving up and down the road, but apparently enough to like outwit this Pontiac GTO or whatever the fuck he's driving because he manages to spin his car off the road and get stuck on the shoulder while it starts to rain. Meanwhile, up the road, as a torrential downpour starts happening, she stops behind a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a, a Mark Gonzalez figure. Oh, but yes. What are you telling me? I'm supposed to keep driving? Who has parked his car on the shoulder in order to wait for it to stop raining and to pass the time as a side of drink on a flask of whiskey. Well, what, what, do you, what do you expect me to... So you want me to drive in the rain while I'm drunk? Who's, I would, who's, who's a real friend now, Andrew? I, I mean, I, I guess, you know, we won't, we'll never know if you could get there faster or slower if you weren't drunk behind the wheel. That's the thing. <laughs> and it was raining. Let's keep that in mind. That's true. How uh, can we blame it on the rain or can we dr blame it on the drunkenness? We'll never know. I think, I, I mean, it's probably the rain. 
I mean, there are a lot of accidents that happen in, in the rain. rain. Yeah. I'm sorry I'm responsible. <laughs> she runs up to his car and she's like, Seinfeld's van? Is this Seinfeld's van? I knew it wasn't Berkowitz. He lets her in the car, which I would have been like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you seem all right, lady. Uh you you don't want me to this hysterical woman here. this hysterical woman that's screaming the word murder at me over and over <laughs> again uh while i'm just getting absolutely blasted inside my own car waiting for it to stop raining i'm like you seem like good people yeah <laughs> hop in baby <laughs> where are you going <laughs> he lets her in his car and she cries to him about the story she's like and then i was at the hotel uh-huh. and then they tried to charge me for a bottle of shops that i didn't drink it was already gone it? Yeah, no, no, it was gone before I got there, but I looked at my folio in the car on the way home. And apparently my son is sick. I don't know. They have to like cut off his ear. I wasn't really listening. <laughs> she explains the whole sordid affair to him, says they killed a police officer. And now I'm on the I'm on the run and somebody's trying to kill me. And you smell like liquor because <laughs> his solution to all this is like, hey, baby. Let's, let's get, have a drink. Let's get, let's get loose here, right? Let's just, <laughs> let's just take the edge off. Come on. You're so uptight. You know, you were cooler when you're screaming about murder. Now it's you're always the murders with you. Just have a drink. Just relax. It's Wednesday. It's Tuesday, <sighs> sir. Well, you know, yeah, I guess that's why I lost my job. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he offers a shot from her flask from his flask in order to try and calm her down, but ends up just mainly talking about himself. So again, Mark Gonzalez. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. That's, that's, that's somewhat unfair. Okay. I, I invite conversation from other people. <laughs> Mark has a series of, of catchphrases and buzzwords that he just then launches into a bit about. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, God, I hope they, I hope they talk about yogurt lands. They're like, uh, I was one, I, I went to get a sandwich the other day hey, and they were, they were, they, I wanted roast beef and they didn't have any beef. So, you know, I left and then I'm just screaming, where's the beef? Where, where's <laughs> remember, the beef? Remember that commercial? Remember that, right? old, that old bag? You've been to a Wendy's lately? They don't got the super bar no more. I want a salad. I want to go to Wendy's for a salad. They found a finger in the chili, for God's sakes. <laughs> and it's another 45 minutes of this. Yeah, um, that goes on. And then they're like, well, thanks for coming in for the job interview. Um, <laughs> I think we're good on bus drivers. Uh, so we, we, we probably won't be reaching out. But we'll keep your resume on, on file. And I'm just saying this to be nice. You say, oh, no, of course, of course. Yes, no, 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 no. I, I wouldn't ask you to take up the file space. <laughs> he ends up talking about himself. He's like, look, baby, you want to talk about problems. I got this boss, all right? He goes off to Los Angeles. He's making some kind of fucking spacesuit. Just, <laughs> just a huge excuse to screw around on his wife. Pawns the whole thing off on me. It's ridiculous. Unbeknownst to both of them, however, the gunman has rolled his car up right behind them. Act yeah. three. Carol notices the car and the guy 
which this is, you know, if if you can heap shit on on a woman here, this is this is uh, this is the unearned uh, confidence of a white male because he's like he's like this is probably all just a big misunderstanding. Oh, let me go talk to him, baby. Let me go talk to this guy. Let's see what his story is. Let's see if he wants to go to the super bar. Don't worry, I'll 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 straighten him out. I'll <laughs> I'll fix his wagon, and then he gets out. He's like, "Got any booze?" <laughs> You guys, you guys want to party? I was trying to meet up with these guys with these potted plants, and the whole thing just seemed like a real, real sour, sour sort of tale. But I'm pretty sad, so I'll do it. <laughs> but they took off from their paneled man without me. It's a bunch of bullshit. The guy tries to go talk to the driver in the yellow car and gets blown away by a shotgun for his troubles. Carol then uses the dead guy's car to ram the gunman's car. And then takes off, which hell yeah, drive it like you stole it, baby. Because you did. Because you did. If there's no evidence, then there's no crime. That's well, what I say. Dead. So who's the owner? Yeah. Her. <laughs> possession is nine tenths of the law. Her who's car in, now. Who's in possession of the keys? Her. <laughs> there's a chunk in the gunman's tire, so his car's all busted up. But now he spies Carol's car. Uh, the big old station wagon throws his stuff into that up uh, up the road. Carol's ah, car. How poetic. Carol's car is forced off the road due to a rock slide. Uh, but back where the gunman is stealing the Ford family truckster, Carol took the keys in a shocking turn of logic. It's like, yeah. You know, why would you one leave time she did something? Why would you leave the keys in the ignition? That's silly. Forcing the gunman to hotwire the car. Carol, using the floor mats from the stolen car, attempts to get the car that she's driving unstuck from the mud, but it's no good. She then tries using the dead man's clothes because she's like, she's like, I bet everything he owns is in this car. She should just shove the dead man under there. Yeah, she should have dragged him with her. This works right as the gunman comes around the corner, hitting the rocks. The radiator apparently gets busted in the process and starts steaming, which stops Carol's car, which the gunman is driving. Yes. The gunman uses some nearby rainwater to get the car up and running. So now it's a chase. Carol has a dead man's car. The gunman has Carol's car. Who's going to win? It's now daytime and Carol is still driving through the middle of nowhere. And wouldn't you know it, the goddamn thing runs out of gas again. Again, yeah. This seems like a. I, I, if I was given a note, I'd be like, have it, have something else happen. Have the battery yeah. die. I don't know. Uh, the car conks out without any fuel. She walks to a nearby house on the side of the road where there's an older couple inside, who say that they don't have a phone, and the closest house is about four miles away. Yes, she says that their son can drive her up to that house four miles away but he's in the fields working working hunting getting rid of those pesky barn owls yeah carol says well nuts to that that'll take too long they're like no he'll be back in like 20 minutes she's like no no it'll take i have to go carol says that'll take too long she'll walk the four miles which four mile walk that should probably take about 90 minutes yeah the couple says, well, when the sun gets back, he'll drive up the road and he'll meet you, depending on where you are, if he gets back soon enough before you get to the house four miles up the road. Yes. 
the gunman arrives upon the stalled car and notices there's a house there, but it appears he just keeps driving along. She says, hey! Carol walks and uh, the truck that we saw earlier uh, in the, uh, the house that she stopped at comes up the road and she's like, cool, it's all going to work out. Get in the car with this son that's working in the fields. Seems cool. Seems like he's he's all right. She gets in this truck, but then we reveal, oh, my God, it's the gunman the driving killer. this truck. Oh, but she doesn't realize this. Carol, however, with uh, the perception that I don't know I would have, eh, maybe I would. I, I don't actually know. I don't. I don't. It's like if I'm in an Uber, my eyes are like right. Like the, the Uber driver could be just covered in blood. But as long as they they don't talk to me and they drop me off within like a couple steps of where I'm going, then it's like five stars. Five stars. Right, sure. Thanks. Like cool hockey mask. See you later. (laughs) Carol notices that the car has been hot wired and there's no key in the ignition. And she also notices a big old gun on the floorboard. Should have been the gun that tipped her off. Well, I mean, who who doesn't have a gun on the floorboard, Mark? You trying to tell me? Yeah, exactly. That it's a bigger tip-off to not see a gun on the floorboard yeah. in Arizona. Where's your gun? You're out of state, aren't you? Carol tries to jump out of the car, but the gunman grabs her, and they have a struggle. The car drives through the desert. And Carol leaps out. The gunman starts walking towards her, but Carol gets a hold of the shotgun, and instead yeah. of using the boom part of it, she uses the the back part of it. it at him. He just kind of points the barrel at herself. Yeah, she's she says, I'm going to use the best part of this thing, the wooden part. Mm-hmm. She swings and then just kind of tosses the gun at her like the guy's Superman, you know, and they like shoot at Superman <laughs> and they just throw the gun at him. Then uh, this distracts him to go grab the gun while she takes off in the truck. The gunman fires the truck, but Carol manages to hit this guy with the truck. And she's like, hell yeah. Well, he also screams a strange, angry scream. Do you remember this? Yeah, he's uh, it's it's basically the sound that the Jawas make. Or no, it's the sound that uh, it's the sound that uh, Obi-Wan makes when he's trying to scare them off. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sure. They walk in single file, so you can't tell how many there are. Uh, the gunman fires at the truck, but Carol manages to hit him. She's like, she's like, I missed you the first time with a car. I, I, I don't miss hey, again. I miss you twice. He's still alive, but incapacitated. She tries to drag the gunman while also trying to flag down a helicopter that's overhead. Which, a helicopter appears. There's no explanation. Are we supposed to assume that? Like this is the person looking for her because again, I, I feel like this is very. No one knows she's missing. I, yeah, exactly. It's like a traffic copter overhead talking about I five. Yeah, she's like that's for me. Hi. <laughs> uh, she tries to flag down a helicopter overhead, and in order to get its attention, she moves the gun one away from the truck, and then decides to use the truck as a Molotov cocktail by lighting its gas tank on fire. <laughs> And setting the goddamn thing off like a bomb. So how many other people's cars has she destroyed now? Because I guess she... Two. 
she well she yeah well three because she backed into she stole the dead guy's car yeah crashed it into the gunman's car so yeah. now that car's incapacitated then technically the dead man's car only ran out of gas so i guess it's got fender damage from trying to hit him before and sure. now she blew up the the I'm assuming he killed that couple. Well, maybe not, though. Maybe he just stole the truck. It's unclear. Uh, Andrew, when she ran out of gas in the other person's car, I have to imagine that she did put, like, a juice pack in the gas tank. <laughs> thinking, should this, this makes my children go. <laughs> she says, I've got a bottle of water. That's fuel. F- that, that's fuel. That's All right. Fuel. That and some graham crackers. She crunched up some, <laughs> just jam it in there. She's like, all right, here we go. I bet sand will help. <laughs> we fade to the hospital as Carol checks in on her son there in Denver. Walter, her husband, arrives. And Walter is surprised that little old Carol was able to get up here all by herself. All by herself. And she's like, why are you so surprised? And he says, you're not exactly Joan Didion. Who's this? <laughs> Women's rights activist Joan Didion. Oh, I have no, I, I legit don't know. I, you don't know who Joan Didion is? I'm sorry. I'm not that well versed in anything. Okay. Unless we're talking about Clara Peller, the where's the beef lady? (laughs) He says you're not exactly the where's the beef lady. Now see, now that I get. You're like, yeah, you're right. She's not assertive. She doesn't stand up for what she thinks is right. She doesn't. She looks at the big bun and she doesn't see where's the beef. She doesn't know know where the beef is. is. I want to know where the super bar is. I just want to go into a fast food restaurant and get a salad <laughs> that I that somebody coughed on minutes before I got there. That's all. <sighs> I know Whole Foods has like a salad bar, uh-huh. but like yeah. sa- paying by the pound for salad is a thing that I feel like doesn't isn't as popular as it once was, right? Shouldn't be popular. I remember in the 90s, and because like grocery stores have this too. Where you can like, technically you can go to the grocery, like a Ralph's or a Kroger Mm -hmm. and go to their salad bar and make your own salad. And then they put a sticker on it and they weigh it. And like, that's what they pay. I remember my parents doing this a lot more, but now I don't feel like anybody touches that. I don't see people ever going to that. Am I, am I alone on this? I think there's so many other salad options at this point in our lives that you wouldn't go to. Whole but Foods pe- to get a salad. But people go to Whole Foods to get, I know, because it seems like it's pop because I've seen people do it. I've sure. or heard of people doing it. But I feel like the salad bar is a thing that isn't as popular as it once was in the 80s or 90s. Yes? No, certainly not. No, uh-huh. there isn't a salad bar at every McDonald's, Pizza Hut, and uh, Wendy's. Well, I mean, ever since Soup Plantation closed, really, that, that was... That, that was, was the, the final. That was the death knell. knell. Yeah. Walter asks, when Car- explain things to me, Andrew, <laughs> Joan Didion's big book, if you want to talk about, but we could talk about soup plantation too. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Uh, Walter is very condescending. He says, how did you get up here all by your lonesome? You're just a lady. And then he says, what did you do to your hand? 
Uh, and then and Carol, like someone shot me. Yeah, I almost died. It was, but she actually, laughs about it. She yeah, she. It funny. she I, it, it, we should have held on this longer. Of her <laughs> being like, <laughs> it's it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> breaks down in tears it's the end of in the mouth of madness he's like oh honey you have you have someone else's lipstick on your collar again <laughs> yeah the damn dry cleaner i don't know what it is about know. that guy. always give me the wrong shirts whoopsie doodle he's very condescending to her but she laughs it off she says boy do i have a story to tell you <laughs> and that's the end of night Terror. Mark, what'd you think of this movie? I thought this movie was okay. I didn't think it was great. Um, it's a very paint by numbers. This happens. This happens. This happens. Type type of plot. There's no real surprises. There's no twists and turns. It's just. It's uh, a th- it's a thriller. Yeah, woman has to get away from bad guy. Yeah. That's the whole movie. Guy's got a he's he's got like a weird backstory. He doesn't talk. He's he's a killer. He's got a thing to do. Yeah. Apparently he's in the military and he's gonna stop at nothing to do the thing and 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 kill Carol for some reason. Uh Valerie Harper doing her goddamn Valerie Harperist in that she's got she's doing like the a lot of a lot of like nervous babbling. Yeah, is what oh, she does. That's so silly. I don't know what I'll do. Which is very kind of Rhoda esque as well. But yeah. you know, convincing performances. I, I it's fine. I think it's I think it's more wild that they tack on this uh, this ending here. Where I guess it's supposed to be like, yeah, of course she can do it. She's a she's a strong lady. Yeah, but it just it just comes off as weird and condescending, and also this this like sitcom esque like, oh, do I have a story to tell you? I <laughs> yes, it's it's male centric is the issue because it ends with her being like the the final conclu- the big turn for her is that she can tell her husband that she's all right on her own. Yes. Whereas the big turn should be, I evaded murder and helped solve this big crime inadvertently. But it's like, no, no, no. The most important thing would be to tell her, to reassure her husband that she isn't a mess, that she isn't a fuck up. And it's also weird too, that he isn't aware that she was like involved in, several murders that happened up up the road that like all he does is show up at this Denver hospital to kind of dress her down a little bit. Well, who's supposed to tell him the news. Oh my God. He's not reading the, he's not reading the paper. He's driving to see his wife or uh, the aunt or somebody. Did she just not tell anyone? I think she told people, but he was on the road and back then, there was no way to reach someone while they were on the road. Yeah, maybe. Oh, my God. You, you, you could, no, you just flag down a police officer. And then you say, hey, have you seen hey, my husband? what's hus- happening to my wife? 
if you see my husband, uh, tell him I tell him I was involved in a couple murders, but I'm okay. No problem, Rhoda. Bye. Have a good time. Nightstick to the back of somebody's head. Yeah. Uh, would you recommend this film? Yes, I would. You would? I would. I actually thought it was fine. I thought it was a nice little 1977 uh, thriller. Could it be better? Sure. Could it be worse? I've seen worse. Um, the biggest complaint for me is that there wasn't enough brand uh, awareness and product placement in this one, in this in our series. Sure. Although there was a sign behind the uh, waitress that said drink beer. That's about as close as we're going to get, unfortunately. Like, right, I guess from, you know, the beer council. <laughs> Big beer stepping in again to try and just just rub it in our faces. Uh, and well, also, you know, the gas station. Look for the star, you know, the Texaco star. Sure, yeah. Or double A, B, B, M, C, O. I don't know. Something like that. Uh I don't know if I would recommend it. Like it was, it was fine, but uh, forgettable. It is forgettable. Yes. But it has that 77, 1970s TV movie charm where you're like, ah, people were doing their best. It's not a great script, but everybody like really tried, you know, the crew and the actors all really, really did give it their all there. I mean, it is believable when she is, driving away from seeing the police officer just get blown away. Yeah. And she is just like floor, you know, pedal to the metal. And she's like going 90 down the freeway and just like a crying, like <gasps> mess. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I'd be in the same position. I, I wouldn't know what the fuck to do. Well, that that's what you do whenever you can, whenever you're almost out of gas. Yes. Anytime that my gas light comes on, it is just me just <laughs> screaming. What do I do? Rolling down the window, going like, "Where can I find gas? Where?" And it's I'm yelling at gas stations, and it's a yeah. guy going like, "Here, yeah. here, I guess." And I'm like, "You're not paying four seventy five. What are you high?" He says, "Kinda." You drive over to one of those oil hoppers uh, off off the four hundred five, and you're like, "This is gas." <laughs> it's an oil derrick. I just like I just hook it right in. I gotta I gotta get going. I gotta I I have to go cheat on my wife <laughs> again. <laughs> she thinks I'm at a business conference in Anaheim. I've been laid off three months. <laughs> Where savings is depleted. <laughs> I've because I keep having sex with the potted plant. <laughs> the sexy plant. I think there's something wrong with me. And they're like, sir, this is a Wendy's. And I'm like, oh good, good. Oh, I this is bar. this is where I wanted to Can be. Can you show me to the salad bar? Not after what you just said, sir. <laughs> Uh, well, that's going to do it for Night Drive uh, slash Night Terror. But heading into November, we have a real treat. And by treat, I mean real treat, not a trick. Okay. A treat. Yeah. As the prophecy is fulfilled, because our next film is from 1977. And ladies and gentlemen, 
It is the third part of the Guerdon Trueblood dynasty. On CBS, it's Tarantulas, the Deadly Cargo. All right, Doc, we'll check it out. Thanks. Wants us to check the body to see if we can find anything that looks like a snake bite. Snake bite? That's it. All right, we're checking it out, Doc. Hey, Doc, we got something here. Looks like a snake bite. Looks like somebody did some first aid on it, too. Uh, this one's got some small holes on his leg. Could be a bite. Is the skin around the puncture gray? Yeah, it's burned, kind of gray. Well, that's the same thing. What kind of snake is it? It's a spider. Some kind of tarantula. I got one right here. Did it come in on the airliner? There's probably more than one of them, Joe. What we need right now is a specialist to identify the toxin. Hey, Doc, listen, I know a guy in L.A., a professor. Now, if I can get a hold of him... Doc, call Cindy and tell her to meet me on the Willing Court. You thought we forgot, didn't you? No, you, we never forget Gwerd and Trueblood. No. Once you see a Gwerd and Trueblood, it sticks with you until the day you die. And even then... At the pearly if, there is a, if there is an afterlife, where did True Blood is there? He says, did you see that swarm? It was pretty fucking deadly, wasn't it? No, no. When you get to heaven, you're like, where did True Blood? What, what do I do here? And he's like, well, I have a video cassette about <laughs> But you're right here. Can't you tell me? Video cassette. He just leans his arm on it. And then it's him on the tape talking about eels or leeches or something i don't i don't quite know but that's right it's it is tarantulas the deadly cargo we learned about bees we learned about ants we learned about ants and now we learn about the most fearsome of creepy crawlies at tarantulas the deadly cargo that's for next time on the television movie night but if you'd like to listen to past episodes, you can always do that by going to soundcloud.com forward slash TV movie night podcast. You can email us at TV movie night podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us at facebook.com forward slash TV movie night. You can subscribe to us and listen to our other back episodes on iTunes. Leave a review there it would help us out greatly. You can subscribe to us on Spotify or you can also subscribe to us on Stitcher. Stitcher. Stitcher, which allows you to stream podcasts directly to your smartphone. All this information and more. SoundCloud.com forward slash TV Movie Night Podcast. Mark, is there anything else? Andrew, I wish that I could keep talking to you all night, all yeah. day. Yeah. Um, but as as you said at the top of the show, I'm working. I'm very busy right now. I, I can't be there. So I, you know, I, I, the boss is probably just oh, begging God. me to do some work right it's, now. It's, uh, hey, Mark, why don't you come back to the other podcast studio? Uh, well, who's On that? my Who? way. Oh, oh. That's my boss. Gotta go. Well, I guess if he's got work to do.